to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, September 27th. Once again, I get to say those magic words. It is a jam-packed week of action in the professional tennis world. And as promised here on today's show, our plan to break it all down. For all of you listeners, what are the events on the calendars? Who are the players you should be watching to best get a grasp on everything happening this week in the tennis world? And when we break things down at this level, you know there's always one guest who joins me on this show to help me do just that. You know him as the Pied Piper of all things happening at Tennis Point social media. It's our guy from over at Tennis Point and co-host of our Tennis Point Tuesdays editions of these mini break podcasts. It's our friend, Nate Walrith. Nate, welcome back to the show. It has been far too long. How are you doing, my friend? Good, man. I'm doing pretty well. Happy Tuesday. Um... I'm not in LA at Tennis Channel headquarters, but I cannot complain, man. Fall season is upon us. We get the last few weeks of outdoor fall tennis, so taking advantage of them as much as I can. How's how's LA? It's wonderful. I've already hit the tennis court, and by the way, I've hit twice since the start of July, both times in LA while I've been here. So yeah, it, tennis is in the air. Certainly it helps when it's always 75 degrees outside, right? You just feel like you're wasting an opportunity if you don't go and play tennis. I'll say this, you may not be here in person, Nate, but your name came up today at Tennis Channel Studios. And I can tell you the story because I know he wouldn't mind me sharing. I was talking with our mutual friend, Gil Gross. Uh, I was like, hey, you know, because him and I were supposed to hit today. I was like, oh, I forgot. I got to do Tennis Point Tuesday. Do you mind if we hit tomorrow? He was like, no, that's fine. And he goes, you're doing it with Nate? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, you know, Nate and I met in a hotel in New York. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, Nate Walrath pretty freaking tall. I was like, I know, man. I was like, he's a big guy. He's like sneaky tall. I agree. I, like if someone from afar described me as sneaky tall, I would want to know because it's not a bad descriptor, Nate. So know that you are thought of here this week. That's big time. So shout out to Gil Gross. I'm always in this show as well. He's the man. And uh, no, a couple, couple uh, guys just out here talking tennis. I was like, I walked into the, uh, to the lobby of the hotel. I'm like, what the hell? It's Gil Gross. I was like, like <laughs> I felt like I knew him. Like, it wasn't even like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm just like, yo, what's up, Gil? It's just like, it's crazy what COVID and what technology have done for us as far as making us all feel connected in these in these goofy times. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the good part of social media. I'd been doing shows with Gil for like two sh- two years, and we've probably done 25 shows together between my podcast, his podcast, and YouTube shows. And the first time I met him in person was in July at Tennis Channel Studios. And when I say for the first six hours for both of us, it was a little bit awkward. It was like, wait, should, should we just do this on Zoom? Because I was like, seeing your body just doesn't make sense to me. I was like, it just throws off everything that's going on right now. And he's like, dude, same to you. He's like, I don't like that you have arms. I was like, I know. It's, I was like, it's it's weird uh, for both of us. But you're right. It speaks to this tennis community. I mean, I know whenever you and I get to hang out, it's quite clear we have spent some, some time together, even though we've hung out, what, like three times in no, person but- in our lives. And yet, yeah. Uh, the form over the internet is crazy. And that feels like not drop the beat when we link up. It's just like, it's, 
That's how it's supposed to be. I tell Gil this all the time. I'll say this to you now. I think you and Gil are two of the five closest friends I've made since graduating college. Like, not a doubt in my mind. And again, that speaks to your candidness on this podcast. It speaks to why we love having you on this show so frequently. And yes, as you alluded to, I am in LA at Tennis Channel Studios. I'm on the early call time. So let's just say sleep has... You know, it, it's not the greatest commodity in my life right now. And with that said, I need you, buddy. I need your energy today. So that's why I'm so happy to have you. We're hitting the hay at 5 p.m. today. I said, wow, this 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 guy's on a different level out here. You know, <laughs> I, got it. I got my man waking up on the early, the cock doo doo daytime light. He's, he's well, out my- here. My favorite thing in the world is getting back to the hotel around noon every day and people walk out of the elevator and they're in the lobby and I look at them and I'm like, you haven't done shit. I'm like, I just went to war. Like, what have you done today? Nothing. And so my respect for anyone who works the night shift has grown immensely. And uh, yeah, things get a little bit funky. But you know what they say, loopy brain sometimes can make for the best podcasting. And so with that in mind, we get into today's edition of Tennis Point Tuesday. Going to be a slightly shorter show today as uh, both Nate and I unfortunately have obligations here this afternoon. I am immensely grateful, Nate. I know how busy you have been because you and the Tennis Point team continue to kill it day in, day out, week in, week out. So again, immensely grateful for your time, immensely grateful for the support Tennis Point offers this podcast. You guys just understand you need a daily show to keep up with all of the developments happening across levels in the tennis world. With that said, as always, I want to offer you the opportunity to talk to me about what's up over at Tennis Point because I know you guys have been busy. Yeah, I think right now is the hot thing on the market is the new Nike Court holiday season collection uh, for both the men and women. The new Nike Court logo is just so sharp and it really pops on the court. It's like how many logos in tennis are there that are customized for our sport? So the new Nike court logos all over this apparel, it looks beautiful. The women's got this, this green type of uh, tone to a lot of their apparel. The men, we have the Rafa crew and the drive fit advantage uh, shirts that uh, with the zippers, I know those were very, uh, and a lot of conversations were had about those at the U S open, but um, yeah, beautiful collection as well as the latest from Adidas and there is a flash sale as well going on. So, yeah, be, be sure to check on uh, our website for all the latest and greatest deals. But, uh, no, I've listened to your podcast since you've been out of town. And I, uh, whenever I hear your spiel on Tennis Point, I'm like, I'm going to go shop at Tennis Point. I mean, <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I got to keep bringing the juice. I got to figure out how to, how to juice us like you do. I'm like, this guy's got these, these uh, promos down to a T. Well, Nate, that's why you pay us the average size bucks, right? Uh, No, it's uh, look, five years. I've been selling Tennis Point for five years. At this point, if I can't sell it successfully, it's time to hang up the microphone. Uh, But I appreciate the kind words as always. And guess what? You guys make it really easy because I'm not lying. It's to your point, the Nike Court collection. It's do you need a Dunlop racket for some reason? You're going to be able to find it at Tennis Point. Do you like to use Prince synthetic gut strings? Or I call them Prince synthetic gut. I apologize. Synthetic gut strings or poly strings or what, you know, big banger, whatever it is you're looking for it's all available one location tennis-point.com use our promo code cr15 to let them know we sent you there with that said nate let's get into this week's action and the title of today's episode the question i want to pose to you to start today's show do these pros know that it's late september 
Because I don't think they do right now, Nate. When I'm looking at who's scheduled to play this week, how many events there are this week, and how strong each of the fields are at each of these events, I am extraordinarily encouraged. And I know we are two people who are deeply invested in the tennis bubble. I think I, you know, again, given we've done the mini break now, this is going to be our third fall with the mini break. So I've grown accustomed to having to care about post-U.S. Open tennis as much as I care about any given week in the season. I'm curious for you, not that I'm calling you a casual fan, but you're not tied to a daily podcast. So perhaps you don't feel the need to watch every single day. How invested are you typically in post-U.S. Open results? How invested do you think you're going to be this season? I will say, no, that's a great question. I think I've been thinking about that lately, just seeing how many events are going on right now. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I'll be honest, like, I never listened to a tennis podcast after the U.S. Open until the Australian Open until this year. Like, last year, I was like, I got to tune in to see what Gruskin's talking about because <laughs> I do feel like I need to stay in tune with what's going on. I think a lot of that has to do with the Labor Cup. I think the Labor Cup brought so much energy to the tennis world. I saw you guys on Instagram posted the stats from their social media. I was blown away by that. Um, at the same time, I don't know if I was because how much traction uh, the Labor Cup was able to gain across even the casual fans. I thought that that whole event um, and the, the amount of um, people that were tuned in and like how much the players cared, I think that brought juice to the tour in a way that uh, really needs it right now where the U.S. Open has come to a halt. Uh, we're in this middle gap where the ATP finals are still a bit away. And there's a little bit of that, what used to be a dead period, but right now it feels like it's alive and people are all over the country playing tennis. I mean, I was looking at Dan Evans' schedule from D.C. to Toronto, deep from quarterfinals in D.C. to semis in Toronto, to Cincinnati, to the U.S. Open, to Davis Cup, to San Diego, now to Korea. It's like that's all in the last couple months. It's insane how much tennis these guys are playing. So I feel like it's only uh, right that we stay in tune and kind of – keep in, in touch with the tour. It's a lot of good tennis being played out there all over the place. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's like three, three tournaments on the ATP side that uh, I'll be keeping in the loop with this week. We have a clay court event in late September. We're in Parma, and I want to be clear. I, you know, NCAAs 2019 will forever be known as Love Bug Gate because there were love bugs just all over the players, all over the cameras. It was at times a nightmare. You watch Parma. And you think these players are taking practice swings. They're not. They're slaughtering bugs in a war for survival. And like, welcome to fall tennis, my friend. I have never felt more at home than watching these players in Parma have to deal with these conditions. I'm like, well, let me tell you about April in the Midwest, my friends, because it's just, again, it rings true in my heart. And to your point, it is interesting because there was a lot of momentum with Labor Cup to force everyone to tune back in. I will be fascinated to see if they continue to tune in this week. Certainly, there are some reasons to. And with that in mind, let's get into the biggest reason why perhaps more casual fans will be watching this week. We've got our first event in Israel in over 26 years at the professional, or I should say highest tour level. You've got the ATP event in Tel Aviv, first ATP event since 1996 held in Israel. Again, I'm a 95er, so really the first relevant event of my life. It's worth noting, we, I saw the stat today in the graphic they offered on Tennis Channel. Aaron Krikstein won the, the Tel Aviv event or the ATP Israel event back in 
I want to say 1984 or three, when he was 16 years old and became the youngest ATP Tour champion in history. Aaron Crickstein was born like 15 minutes from my house growing up. And Aaron Crickstein also happens to be Jewish. And like, let me tell you the legend of that title run in particular, it's something that permeates in Southeast Michigan tennis circles. And so to have this event back, I will say this as a Jewish man, it's Rosh Hashanah this week, Lashanah Tovah to all of our Jewish listeners, of course, to have it on in you know such a holy time in Israel, such a bustling time. They're honoring Rosh Hashanah tonight uh, as part of the night ceremony. Even beyond just having the ATP tour return to Tel Aviv, Novak freaking Djokovic, who has seemingly played like 12 matches in total this year. It's more than that. But if I told, you know, if I asked you to guess the number, we can get into that in a little bit, you would probably guess under 30. You know, we have Djokovic playing an ATP 250 after the U.S. Open. I mean, come on now. Like, that's where the action starts, right? In Tel Aviv, that's story line number one on the week. Are you more interested? I'm curious if you feel the same way because I think I might be more interested in Novak Djokovic's— and, you know, I try not to be basic here on this show. We probably spend less time talking about Djokovic, Nadal, Federer than we should, given I know that's the most popular topic in tennis media. That said, this week, I mean, again— I think we're going to be doing a lot of examining the level of Novak Djokovic because, as I alluded to, Djokovic in 2022, 24-6 overall on the year. You include his two Labor Cup matches. Now he's at 30 for the season. When was the last time Novak Djokovic played only 30 matches in a year? What, like 2016 when he was injured? Like that back half of the season, whatever that was? He's fresh. I don't care that he's 35. He's fresh, Nate, and I am fascinated to see. No, in one way, it's a bummer that we haven't seen him perform at the highest, uh, in, the, in the biggest stages in, the, in, the, in our, like the U.S. Open in Wimbledon. But in the other way, it's like Novak's fresh and ready to compete at, at in a time where the calendar is normally slowing down. You're going to see one of the best players of all time go out there, try to perform at a high level and get his ranking in a spot that he can compete for the ATP Tour Finals, which I believe is his goal. And that's why he's, I think he even stated that the other day, is that's why he's going to put jam-pack his schedule uh, in the last fourth of this calendar year so he has a chance to, to get back to the ATP Finals, an event that means a lot to him and as well to the rest of the tennis world. And uh, I think that's really cool. And like you said, we this is a, a time period that is usually meant that it's kind of regroup time, but not at all right now. You got Novak out there as the one seed in Tel Aviv, going to compete for a title and uh, get, get his ranking back in shape for the live rankings. He's dipped a little bit. He's I think he's seven in the world right now. Live rankings, I think he's like in the mid-teens to high-teens. So it'll be interesting to see if he can regroup. And uh, obviously, he'll have a gas tank ready to go, but it's his level there. He looked great against Tiafo, beating him, dropping just three games. Um, and then he played Felix, an informed Felix, uh, lost a tough one there. Didn't think he played his best tennis. But uh, yeah, Novak is rejuiced, ready to go. I'll definitely be watching that. And uh, as well as the rest of this draw, it's just a fun draw they have in Israel right now. I talked about this with Gil on his show on Sunday. Um, or it might have been released Monday, whatever it was. I hated the conditions of the Labor Cup court. It just I, felt like it felt like the ball was dead. Like the entire time, it would bounce, and then it would. It just the ball would not bounce. That's the one. Like very rarely do I hate the playing conditions, but I can't take my eyes off. Usually, if I hit like when it's a slow hard court, like I want to see a ball move through the hard courts. And I think I first watched Davis Cup when uh, Tommy Paul played Dan Evans a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, gosh, Tommy was just 
drilling winners against Casper Ruud at the U.S. Open, he couldn't get a ball by Dan Evans um, in the Davis Cup. And I, it's similar conditions. Um, was that at the O2 Arena? Did they play? Uh, it's a, it there's a lot of events. Regard, it was another slow, slow, hard court. I think it was in Glasgow, like, right? I don't think it was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Glasgow. It was in Glasgow. Um, but it was like two weeks of slow, hard court tennis. And it was it was such a different pace. I mean, even watching Tiafo, it looked like Tiafo wasn't even swinging at the ball against Sitsipas. He was just kind of maneuvering the ball around the court. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew to, like we all, you have to when you have the best players in the world competing. It's like you kind of accept it and you see these longer points that uh, guys are nuking the ball around the court for an extra five, ten balls. Um, but, yeah, now we got, uh, hopefully we get some uh, some faster hard courts here coming up. Yeah, look, I, I you know, I got the chance to watch now all of these surfaces. I think everything is playing faster this week except Parma, which is, of course, a red clay court event. Some people hate Indian Wells because it is the slowest court in the world. But I love a good slow, high-bouncing court like Indian Wells where it just feels like everything gets so physical. I hated these courts because nothing – it just was poopy tennis. Like the ball felt like it died every time it hit the court. And, you know, even when guys were playing big – because that ball was dying, it was just impossible for them to hit through anyone. At the same time, it wasn't remarkably physical because, you know, the ball was dying midway through the point. That Maybe the most interesting part of that whole Labor Cup was the coaching from the benches to the players. Oh, uh, yes. It's not. It might have been. It was. It, yeah. Like, that's 100%. Like, having that mic'd up is just means so much for tennis. And if we want to grow this game, that is a huge proponent that we need to keep in tennis as long as we can. Berrettini was playing against um, – who was Berrettini playing against? That he got Felix. Felix. Yep, he was playing against Felix. And F- Federer came over and he was like, hey, like I know you like to set up the inside and forehand rather quickly, but stay p- patient until you really get a sitter because like, you're not hitting a winner like you normally can unless it's really punched through the court and that's a short ball. So, I mean, guys had to kind of rear – like kind of – uh, re-strategize and kind of reformat the way they were going to put, put points together. And I thought Federer was able to just give his his uh, teammates so much uh, kind of knowledge in the moment. You know, Berrettini usually isn't the most patient baseline. He wants to rip that ball inside in and, and kind of take advantage. But he has to stay patient, and then that advice seemed to work really well against Felix. So um, I did love that aspect of Labor Cup, and it's, it's going to be hard to not get that anymore. Well, with that in mind, Let's go back to Tel Aviv because, again, we're, we're trying to keep today's on the yeah. shorter note. But, of course, by the, I knew we were going to talk Labor Cup. I was like, where are we going to sneak it in? And I'm glad we got it right off the bat. So shout out to that. And Again, we can, we're can we having some big picture discussions here at Cracked Rackets. I want to work in some big picture topics with you next week. But, obviously, again, this week, the jam-packed schedule that it is. I'm going to give you four names. You rank them in terms of most likely to beat Djokovic this week. Ooh. Chilich, Team, Cressy, Korda. Dang. I knew, so you hit me off the bat. Quarter versus Cresty. That matchup's going to be electric. Yeah, and Chilich plays team, too. So I'm saying of those four guys, who's the most likely to knock off Djokovic? Because I think those are his four biggest challengers. With all due respect to okay. Schwartzman, who I just don't see it anymore on, on hard courts. Rusevori, you know my thoughts on him. I would have thrown him in as a fifth name, but four just felt right. If it's not Novak Djokovic, who's it going to be this week? Give me... I'll say... Well, I, I think I like the four guys you picked. I'll say... Cressy, one. Uh, Chilich, one. Cressy, two. Corda, three. Team, four. 
Well, according to Tennis Abstract, it's actually Botik van de Sinschkulp, who's got the second best chance to win this event. He's at 12.7%. Quarter played well today. I need to see, you know, again, if Cressy's hot, I, you know, watching this Tel Aviv surface, yes, it's indoor hardcourt tennis. The, the surface didn't seem particularly quick, although I would say it's on the faster side. <sighs> Chilich, Chilich one. I'll go Chilich one. Corda two. Cressy three. Vanderson Schulp four. And I'm dropping team down to five. Even Actually, I'm putting Rusevori five, team six. Even though, um, you know, I didn't offer Rusevori or... Uh, or Botic in my list. I Any final take, thoughts before we move on? I would take Botic second behind Chilich. Chilich's ball striking and his he's just taking more chances and he's being rewarded for it. Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. He's just like, where was this ballsiness when you were 26? Because if you were this ballsy with your prime athleticism, it might have been more than one major. And to his credit, he made three major finals. So like, you know, when we have the Hall of Fame discussion on Marin Chilich, seemingly one of four guys not to retire this season, although he's younger than you think. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just like Chilich has the skills, has the body, and now he has that attitude as well where it's just like, you know what? I'm going down swinging, win or lose, fuck it. Uh, and you got to respect that as a tennis player, certainly. Now, with that said, let's just start and get through our ATP events quickly. We'll move over next to Sofia, where we've got the world number two in action. Casper Ruud, excuse me, not the world number two. That's not Sofia, that's Seoul, excuse me, South Korea, which is where we are going to move next as Casper Ruud, your world number Number two is your number one seed this week in Seoul, a 35.3% chance of winning the event. According to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, you look at some of the other guys in action. Cam Nori, your number two seed, who somehow right now, despite making a Wimbledon semifinal, is like 12th, 13th in the points race. A big week in Seoul could do wonders for him in closing that gap between he, Hubi Hercots, who seemed to be the guy, you know, Hercots, Nori, uh, you know, like those are the guys on the fringe right now. And if Nadal doesn't play, that obviously opens up another spot. Fritz on that fringe right now as well. He's your number three seed this week in Seoul. Give me your top three contenders to win this title. I hope we get the Fritz-Casper match that we were supposed to get in Labor Cup this week. Yeah. Um, I'll say top three. You know what I don't need to see again is Fritz-Nori. We've seen a Davis Cup. We saw a Laver Cup. It's a really good match. I don't dislike it, but it's like, ah, I don't need to see it again. Yeah, I, we, we've seen it play out. Yeah, Fritz is going to win the first set quickly. Nori's going to come back, and then whoever plays better in the third is going to win. <laughs> Top three would be, I mean, it's just hard to pick against Casper how solid he's been. I'll go Casper one. I will go, if, if, if you promise to me it's a fast hard court, I will put, I can't do it right now. Give me you know, one Fritz, two Brooksby, three. I'm I'm gonna count on on Cam Nori gets slips up a little bit against Brook. Brooksby just want like he's just hungry right now, and I'm sure Cam is too. But Cam has his ranking pretty in a, in a solid spot. He's and maybe he's not even thinking about that. But I'm just like Brooksby is trying to prove himself still, and that's just a dangerous player to play against. Uh, he's gonna extend rallies and. It's, it's just going to be a battle. So I'm excited for Cam Nori versus Brooksby if they both get through round two. Yeah, I think the wild card is Shapovalov. Which Dennis are we going to get? Are we going to get the one who looked really good throughout the course of the U.S. Open? Or are we going to get the one who was terrible everywhere else between here and you know beating Nadal wherever that was? Rome, Madrid, I'm blanking in the moment. I think these courts are a little slow. I think you have to have a definitive weapon to be able to hit through them. 
that's why I kind of love Casper at number one in this spot. I would put Fritz at two because if you give him even an extra half second on the baseline, we saw at Indian Wells, he can be that deadly. My wild card at three. Wild card at three. Ah... You know what? I don't really think there is a wild card. I think this actually, you know who my wild card is? Nicolas Yari, the qualifier who's going to take on Kasparut, former top 50 player, massive serve, massive forehand. He has the sort of serve that, you know, again, to that Kasparut backhand, Rude coming over to Korea from the weekend of Laver Cup. Potential upset alert. If Rude gets through that, I like him to win the event. If he doesn't, I mean, I don't, Nori's been so sad. This is huge. Like, Nori somehow isn't in the year-end finals, and he should be. Nori's been one of the eight best players this year, although, actually, look at the ELO ratings. They suggest otherwise. I'll go Rude 1, Fritz 2, Nori 3. Do we know how hard Team World partied? Because Taylor Fritz and those guys seem to be enjoying themselves. If he's They got after it. No, if but, he's hangover, he'll be, he'll be ready to rock. See... I mean, I don't want to. I think Fritz will be okay. I think he. If you're asking me, has Taylor Fritz ever played a match hungover in his life? Considering I don't know if he's ever fully opened his eyeballs, I would say he probably has. Um, but you never know. You know, again, he, he definitely partied a little bit. Um, that said, he's had a couple days to recover, right? It's a Wednesday start for him. Although, I'll tell you what, tough first round opponent in a guy who knows him well in Mackie McDonald. So, exactly. Wow, now you're making me doubt myself. But I saw Nori partying. At Lafer, like I saw him getting after it. Um, that's why I'm going with Casper, because like I don't know if Casper drinks. Like, wouldn't shock me if it turns out he's like, ah, I'll, you know, it's not that I don't like to like. It's not that he can't have a good time, but he's like, you know what, I don't need to drink. He's got early tea times. He's got to worry about. That's how he's, or he's like, have you seen my six pack? I'm not screwing around with this. Like, I am so handsome. Um, so I'll go rude to take the event. Who you got? I, I mean, yeah, I'm- Casper. This is good. We picked Casper and Djokovic. We're off to a strong start. Yeah. I mean, this draw, I would, Nori is, he's, he's going to, I picked Brooksby just because I think he's, mm-hmm. but no, if, I like, like that. If it's a slower hard court, I, that's hard for me to pick Brooksby. Okay. I like it. No, that, that works for me. Um, all right. Let's move on to Sophia. And again, we're going to rat, really rapid fire through these final three tournaments because I know you got to rock and roll here soon, Nate. You look at Sophia. Top seed, it's the redhead, Yannick Sinner, who, again, despite being one of just two men to make the second week at all four Grand Slams this season, it's just him and Nova, uh, and Rafael Nadal, excuse me, that you can say that about Yannick Sinner currently outside the, WT, uh, the WTA. See, my brain is mush right now, Nate. The ATP Tour Finals. Sinner right now is sitting at 14th. He trails ostensibly eighth place Hubie Hurkacz by 435 points. He's got some ground that he needs to make up. And by the way, Novak Djokovic, for those listeners who don't know, and we've mentioned this before, he's going to get into the year-end finals because there's an exemption for Grand Slam champions in the rule book. So he will have a spot available to him regardless of where he finishes. Um, I did so, not know. so there are five spots taken up right now. Alcaraz, Rude, Nadal, Djokovic, and Tsitsipas, who shockingly already clinched his spots. That's the one that you scratch your head about. You know, in the mix for that final spot, Medvedev's five right now. He's pretty comfortable. Rublev, six. Felix, seven. Zverev, eight. But I would be shocked if Zverev plays another match this season. And then it goes Hercots, Fritz, Nori, PCB, Sinner. 
those are really the only guys still in contention there. And that's a that's a that's a nice group, by the way. That's a that's a very tidy group of players uh, sitting there. And the good news is a lot of them this week, Nate, competing in Sofia. You've got Yannick Sinner, your top seed, forty two point one percent chance to win according to Tennis Abstract. Cranial Boost is your number two seed. He's playing this week. You've also got Holger Runa, really good 7-6-7-6 win over big serving Tim Van Reithoven in round number one. Dimitrov's in play. Musetti, can he continue to end his year on the right note? I mean, the Sin Man is a pre—he's the biggest favorite according to the numbers here this week. That said, again, this is probably the most interesting of the draw to me because top to bottom, this sure. one is loaded. I mean, the the Borgeses of the world, the you know the Ivashkas of the world, Sinego coming off of a title. A lot of good names in here. No, this this draw is loaded. This is my favorite draw of the three that we've talked about so far. Um, even Ugo Humbert is starting to come back into form. Where I playing I'd, much better at the challenger level. Good win today, albeit tricky against Kuzmanov. He's no, he's got his confidence back up. He's starting to play back on his front foot and he looks more sure of himself, kind of dictating points and and really taking advantage of the of the of the sitters in the court with his forehand. Um PCB, I mean, that too is just not going anywhere anytime soon. I I think my favorite to win this is is I mean, I don't want to pick three one seeds, but like how do you go in center after what we saw at the US Open? If I'm that's what I'm saying. Center, I'm picking the winner of Montreal Pablo Carina Busta. And I think my dark horse is going to be Holger. I think I'll take Holger. One better first serve, and we might be saying Yannick Sinner, 2022 U.S. Open champ. I mean, he played Alcaraz better than any. That's the that's one of your five best matches of the decade, according to my history uh, books, or at least since 2010s. And certainly, arguably the best match we've had, not involving Djokovic, Federer, or Nadal on the, on the men's side since like 2003. That was the most captivating match that I've seen and like, I thought Medvedev Nadal was great this year at the Australian Open, but I think Center Carlos was just bigger hitting, longer rallies. They were in the outer fourth more than maybe any other match I've seen. And it was I the mean, most physical I, match I've seen since Djokovic versus Murray 2012 Australian Open semifinals. And if you don't believe me, go look up the highlights. Uh, that said, those are your three ATP events. Again, WTA side, we've got the action in Tallinn. We've got the action in Parma. Let's start with the hard court play because I'm just not even ready to deal with clay courts. Conteve, three-set win over Wang Shiyu. Top seed advances. You've also got, uh, as your other seeds here this week, Belinda Bencic, who's into the second round. Fun matchup between her and Katie Bolter. Jung Shui, your number eight seed. Quietly the 33-year-old. Two spots off her career eye ranking. She's sitting at number 25. She has more wins at age 33 this season. Uh, in her age 33 season than she's had in any year prior in her career. Really nice win for Haddad Maya over Wang Xinyu today. Barbara Krachikova plays her best match of the season in beating Isla Tomjanovic in round number one. And then, you know, again, Mukova and Lee, two players who have dealt with a lot of injuries this season, but we know our top 50, top 30 type players moving forward. I like this draw more than I like any draw on the board here this week. With that in mind, Nate Dog, I'm not going to pick a one seed to win this event. I feel like this is where we can finally swerve off a little bit. Who are you watching most closely? Who are you like in Talene? I, I like Hadadmai a lot. I like the way Benson is playing. Um, Kretschik, yeah, Kretschikova finally seems like she might be turning a corner here. I hadn't seen her play good tennis for a long time. I would, ah, let me get... 
Let me get Belinda Benchich holding, holding the trophy at the end of the day here. I like that. I like that a lot, and she's the favorite, according I to Tennis Abstract. Indoor hard, no, she's been sneaky good this year, Belinda Bencic, who's quietly very much alive in the oh. race to the year-end finals. I believe she's currently sitting at 11, if my math is correct, and you look for Belinda Bencic, she's currently sitting at 12, excuse me, down by 38 points to 11th place Paula Bedosa, but very much in the hunt. You got the, the best ball, Well, here's the upset alert I would throw at you. 17-year-old Linda Naskova, one of six teenagers inside the WTA Top 100, former world junior number two, she hits the crap out of the ball. As did Wang Xinyu today, the talented 21-year-old Chinese player who very nearly beat Beatrice Haddad Maya. Naskova might be the one who just gets through the finish line because I think she's a little bit more consistent than Wang Xinyu right now, and that's a really fun matchup. I mean, if you asked me two years ago, who are the five most talented teenagers in the women's game? Marta Kostyuk would have been on my list. She's taken on Krachikova in round number two. I said at the start of this season, I thought Ann Lee was going to shock the world and end the year as the highest ranked American woman. She is not. Bad take by me, but she looked really good today in a straight set win over Claire Liu, and she's got some opportunities in this match. We haven't talked about Yelena Ostapenko, who is still freaking Yelena Ostapenko. And then again, Jill Teichman, despite all the ups and downs, is top five in terms of most top 20 wins during this 2022 season. So, like, pick a name out of a hat. All your matchups here moving forward are going to be really, really fun. I didn't mention Victoria Golubic, who knocked out fourth seed Madison Keys in round number one. <sighs> Krachikova looked really good against Isla Tomjanovic. I can't emphasize that enough. I haven't seen her play that well in since Australia, since before she got injured. Indoor hardcourt, we're in Estonia, though. That's Conteve's home turf. <sighs> I have no freaking clue who I'm picking here, Nate. Um, I'm going to go. You went Benchich. I'll disagree with you. You know what? Kostyuk's probably going to beat her now in the second round. I'll take Krachikova. I'm doubling down on what my eyes told me through round number one. And through round number one, my eyes tell me that Barbara Krachikova is the best player in the field. Any final thoughts? I guess the doubles momentum from winning the U.S. Open might have carried over. So I'll take a pick. Thousand percent. Great take by you. All right, last one here. Uh, WTA Parma. Clay court action. Yeah, Breaks my brain as well. Your top seed, Maria Sakkari, struggled in round one. She ultimately gets through in three sets. Your uh, number two seed from this event uh, ultimately withdrew at the final. Or, excuse me, has yet to play. Martina Trevisan. No, she has played. She got knocked out by Sarah Cerebez-Tormo today in a match where, let's be honest, Cerebez-Tormo was your favorite according to the money line. Um, I mean, looking at this tournament, Sloane Stevens in the mix. We know how good she can be on the red clay. Irena Camilla Begu has had a sneaky good season. Simona Waltert on the rise. Zinevska rock solid across the board. Uh, this is definitely the less heralded of the two WTA draws this week. But Nate Dogg, who you got? Are we going to finally see Maria Sakkari's best tennis, maybe for the first time since January? I would love to see it. I, I, I'm a fan of Sakari. I, I would like to see her break through and kind of get her feet back underneath there. I think she's great for the game and would be an awesome face of the sport. Um, she just she's so up and down. It's like Shapovalov, mm-hmm. I feel like on the men's side. Um, give me to win this title. I'll take. I'll take Sloan Stevens. Interesting. Interesting. Um, well, Sloan played very well at the U.S. Open. She just ran up against the best player in the last year in, in Iga Svantec. But I thought she played pretty well. 
You're not wrong, but you want to hear a depressing stat? Not really. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it to you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Fewest t- wins amongst top 50 players this season. Who has the fewest wins on the women's side? Can you guess? I'm guessing you just steered me into Sloan Stevens here? No, she's second. She's got 13. There's one player with fewer. Do you want a hint? Yeah, I need. give me one hint. Okay, my hint is Chipotle. What's part of a Chipotle order? Chipotle. Oh, my God. That was a stretch because I didn't want to give you too easy of a hint. Chipotle. I'm a Carrito guy, but, um, oh, Chipotle. What do I? Yeah. No, I just saw you mouth the word. He's thinking it. No. What you go through, they say rice, what type of rice? Then they ask for your meat. Then it, they ask if you want this. You know, do you want pinto, black? Beans. What? Okay. Keep going. Come on. Garbine Muguruza. That was my hint for you. Again, we're going we're going stretch here. I told you my brain's broken, oh. Nate. Yeah, the brain oh. is broken. From Damn. Chipotle to Garbine Muguruza. Twelve and sixteen overall in the year is Garbine Muguruza. Fewest wins on the WTA tour. Uh Sloan Stevens, though, thirteen and fourteen second. That was shocking to me when I saw it as well. I te- yeah, sorry. I test I test this week. Honestly, Simona Walter looked really good in her first round match. I'm gonna take Bagoo. I think Arena Camilla Bagu has played really good tennis here in 2022. She won a title in Palermo back in July, won the 125 in Bucharest two weeks ago. I'll go with the third-seeded Bagu to capture the title in Parma. But again, five events this week. It's going to be jam-packed. We'll cover them all every day here on this mini-break podcast feed. And I reserve the right to bring you back on the show this week, Nate, because there's a lot going on in the tennis world. I feel like there's more we have to catch up on. Any other things you got to plug before I let you go? No, I think uh, we uh, no, I think we covered it all. Guys, check out if you want some social media following, check out Tennis Point on TikTok. We just hit twenty thousand followers, just hit a million likes. So um, yeah, and if I, I think Cracked Rackets Instagram has has been popping off on my timeline. You guys are being shared by all these players, so that's pretty cool. You guys, you guys are starting to it's, it's growing the game with social media. I think is it Dalton over there crushing on the keyboard. Uh, any t- yes, I, I hate to say any uh, anything related to Dalton, but here's what I'll say: if you cringe at all, it's Dalton. Just know, like the mo, if you're like, oh no, you're like, yeah, that's Dalton. Um, you know, anytime you see Olympia Williams pop up on our on our feed, it's Dalton. Um. No, yeah, Dalton does the Instagram. He does a fantastic job. Again, you, you got to be willing to put yourself out there. There's no doubt Dalton Thieneman's willing to do that. But with that said, Nate, again, immensely grateful, as always, for you taking the time to chat with us. A shout-out as well to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With that said, GSP Aces of the Day. Tennis uh, mini breaks for all of you as well as we try to keep you up to date on everything happening in the tennis world. So for my co-host, Nate Walrath, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all this year at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you as always, my guy. Talk soon, man.